think it's just making sure that we're not abusing all of the resources that we have just for our own self-satisfaction and greed but actually to to be a bit selfless and think about the actually the impact that this is having not only on us and our future but people in countries that are more disadvantaged Hello and welcome to the Together podcast, a conversation about faith, justice and how to change the world. I'm Dan and today I'm joined by Emma and Chris. How are you doing guys? Good, thank you. Yeah, doing good, thanks. So in this episode we'll be hearing from Bella Ramsey, the actress who caught everyone's attention in her role in Game of Thrones as the fierce young leader, Liana Mormont. She spoke to us about her journey as an actress and using her platform to stand up for justice. She has some incredible things to say so make sure you stick around for that. But first... It's Emma's Dilemmas. Okay, so this week, uh, my dilemma, a little bit different to last week, um, it is, would you rather have to pronounce your name every time you enter a room or always have to cartwheel out? (laughs) (laughs) Does it have to be a good cartwheel? (laughs) Yeah, so it has to be a good cartwheel, but also the pronouncing your name, you can't just be like, Hello, Dan Preston. You have to be like, Dan <laughs> Preston, like that, like really loud every time you enter any room, any room, no matter how inappropriate. <laughs> and the oh, man. Okay. Um, I think that's a tough one. Um, I'm just trying to think of the situations, like the worst situations I could be in when... You go for an interview and you just walk in going... Dan Preston. <laughs> people might like it. It might make people smile. Emma, no one is going to like that. But then imagine leaving an interview and cartwheeling out. <laughs> They'll be like, wow, he thinks he did well. Unless it was an interview for a gymnastics teacher, in which case. There you go. I'm definitely going for cartwheeling. I think pronouncing my name like that is just going to get me in some very awkward situations. Like, I could never go to I could never go to someone's funeral. I could I could even get on the tube. I could even get on the tube in London. Do you know what I mean? It's just not happening. So I, I'd rather cartwheel out of someone's funeral than to, well, than to shove out. off the tube. Wow, that would be tough in London. <laughs> Kicking people in the face. Oh man, I think I would go with cartwheeling, um, but just simply because over time you get better and then you have a skill that you've developed and you can cartwheel out and you can be good at like gymnastics whereas just walking in and shouting your name over time like they're both embarrassing but that doesn't really gain you anything so i'd go for mm. i'd go for cart cartwheel yeah no, emma what do you reckon I think, I think you're boring i think we should just <laughs> go with the pronounce your name when you come in you know break the ice make people laugh make them smile yeah, I, definitely. I'm, I'm just going to start doing it from now. It's not even a challenge. <laughs> I think you were very idealistic about how happy everyone's going to be about this. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll do it for a week and I'll let you know. <laughs> okay, so next time we record a podcast, Emma, you're going to have to tell us how that's gone. I will. Great. So thank you for, for this week's dilemma. If you're listening at home and want to submit your own, head to We Are Tear Fund on Instagram and leave us a message. And Emma, maybe you could do a little story just asking people what, what they'd rather. Maybe with videos of you doing both. Just to, um, well, I'm, I'm just, not too good at the old cartwheel, so okay. it might just have to be the name. 
Okay, well, you do the name and I'll do the cartwheel and we'll... Uh, great, great. <laughs> great, so next up, it's What in the World? Welcome to What in the World, where we discuss the latest in news and current affairs. Today's is a little bit different, so I'll hand over to Emma to explain. Yeah, so you may have recently seen the hashtag #EndSARS trending on your timeline. Um, so SARS stands for the Special Anti-Robbery Squad, and that's a division of police in Nigeria who have come under scrutiny for abusing their power. Um, young people in particular have been leading nationwide protests against this police brutality and abuse of human rights. But in the last week, violence has escalated in the city of Lagos and many civilians have been killed in the process. It's sometimes difficult to know how we can respond, so we wanted to share some prayer points from Tear Fund's partners in Nigeria and we would love for you to pray with us. So here they are. We want you to pray for the violence to end and for the authorities in Nigeria to show restraint in the handling of the crisis. We want you to pray that the government of Nigeria will listen to the young people protesting and resolve any disputes amicably. And we want to ask God to protect the vulnerable communities that Tear Fund works with in Nigeria, as well as our staff and partners. And finally, to pray that the protests won't lead to a large-scale national crisis. Next up, we're going to hear the interview with Bella Ramsey. So let's jump straight in. I'm Bella Ramsey, I'm 17 years old and I do acting. Great, Bella, thank you so much for for joining us. We're really excited to to talk to you today and hear about your insight from from your acting career and how that interplays with your your faith and what you're passionate about. Thank you, thank you Um, for having me. (laughs) No worries. Before we get into that kind of justice and faith and acting we there's something far more important we we've just recorded the intro to this podcast and we ask a question a would you rather uh, every time we do a podcast and so I'd love love to get your thoughts on on this question okay. that Emma asked us earlier so Emma asked us if you had to choose would you rather have to pronounce your name every time you enter a room or always have to cartwheel out of the room when you leave it I'd rather have to pronounce my name and uh, not spell my name out. Yeah, but I'd much rather that. I feel like cartwheeling only is for specific moments, and I'd rather not do that every single time I walked out of a room. <laughs> I, I like that, and I'd like to kind of list the specific um, moments you think cartwheeling is, is appropriate for, because that could be quite, quite good. See, I, I actually went with cartwheeling because I thought um, that at least would would over time mean that I'd get good at it. And so, like, I'm practicing gym, gymnastics. So that is true, to be honest. But both both sides are are equal, so that's all good. Good. Um, so you you mentioned you're an actress, and uh, most people will know you from your role in in Game of Thrones mm-hmm. as Lyanna Mormont. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got into acting, and then obviously finding yourself, I guess, in an audition for for that role? Can you tell us how that came about? Because that must have been quite a whirlwind. It was, yeah. I've I've been doing acting, I suppose, for a lot of my life, but it's just been with uh, my like, amateur theatre groups and just I was pretty much involved in all the local theatre groups I could be involved in. I just loved it. But I never even considered film and TV acting and then found out about the television workshop in Nottingham, which I then uh, auditioned for just as another thing to do for fun. Um, and then ended up getting some auditions for stuff, got down to the last few for several things. And then suddenly got this audition for Game of Thrones. Um, yes, yeah, so I was in 
I did one audition actually, it was in London. I had to go down in the audition room to learn a scene and uh, do it that way. And I, I did that and then they I knew that I was the, the favourite for the role after a couple of weeks and then a few weeks later after that they confirmed it and that was my first thing that I'd ever done. It was my first acting experience so it was a pretty wild one to start on, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> And so how much did you know about Game of Thrones? Because you came in in season six, didn't you? So it was it was pretty popular at that point already. Had you, but then I guess you were, how old were you then at, at that point? So maybe not quite in the audience for a demographic for Game of Thrones. No, I was about 11, so not quite old okay. enough. <laughs> but I'd heard yeah. that, I think I'd heard of it. I've got an, an older sister and she was quite into it, so she knew about it. But apart from that, okay. we were quite clueless to like the scale of it, I think. Yeah. And so you auditioned for that as an 11-year-old? Yeah. Wow. And that role, um, Liana Mourne, she's very, she's feisty, isn't she? And she's, you know, the, the, back, the back story is her, her parents uh, were, were killed in, in battle. And so a young Liana has to lead her people. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that like auditioning for? And then obviously playing that role as an 11-year-old who has to walk onto a set <laughs> in her first major role and act with this authority amongst everybody else who's been there for five seasons already I mean it was uh it was really (laughs) yeah it was pretty crazy actually but I I love acting in the sense that it's I like to try and be rather than act so rather than pretending I like to just try and be this person that I'm being so it was um quite an experience but certainly in the audition process the the leader I suppose of the television workshop uh he really helped me to make it natural but still with authority. Right. I think that was what I was finding a bit difficult was, yeah, keeping it natural, but also keeping it fierce and feisty. But so he worked on that with me and then, yeah, went into the audition, did it, and then basically just replicated that on set. And of course the directors like help and they get out of you what what they want, what their vision yeah. is. Uh, but yeah, I didn't, I wasn't really intimidated by like all the big guys in the room. I just, I just went in. Just I was quite naive. I just went in, just thinking it was, <laughs> yeah. That's sometimes the best way to do it, isn't it? Go in with no uh, preconceptions <laughs> of what it's going to be like, and just and just go for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I've uh, rewatched some of the clips this morning, and I was thinking, wow, she's you know commanding a room full of these uh, actors and actresses who've been in the industry for ages. So that must have been quite an experience. Yeah, absolutely. I was. I learned so much though, very grateful for it. I think I just kind of learned learned pretty much everything I needed to know as the basis for the rest of my career, I suppose, on Game of Thrones, which was incredible. Yeah, definitely. And so um, what was it like? Cause they, I know they create all these kind of different sets. Or I say sets, but they create the whole worlds, don't they? And, yeah. Um, you know, a car park in Belfast and in, in <laughs> other places. What, what was it like being on set and the, and the scale of... Um, scale of it all it must have been quite an impressive place to work it was it was crazy the big uh hall which is the one where i'm with all the other men um there was so many candles like there was a massive fire so many candles so many uh essays extras um it was so hot like that room it could be freezing outside but so boiling hot in there because of all the fires and lights and equipment i mean it was a massive Mm -hmm. scale um it was yeah it was amazing i think i think it just kind of set me up and it was good to be thrown it at the deep end but yeah it was crazy a crazy scale so much effort and detail got into every single bit of every single set it's amazing 
Yeah, I, I remember watching the documentary that came out um, just after season eight, and mm-hmm. you see you see them building this um, this whole town, like I say, in a car park in Belfast, and you think this is crazy. You, <laughs> you assume a lot of it is CGI, but but the the scale of it is really impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a, a particularly favourite scene that you that you did during Game of Thrones, the the three seasons you were in? I think the first uh, the first one that I ever really did. I mean, the very first one was on the horse, but my first proper scene I think was when. Uh, Davos and Sansa and John uh, came to me in Bear Island because that was my first proper ever scene in anything. So I think just the experience of that, I'll never forget. And just yeah, mm. the way that I was really nurtured there was incredible. And what about your last scene as well? Because that's pretty epic as well as you take down a, a giant white walker. Um, that must have been quite fun to do. It was very fun, but that scene took so long. So many flights <laughs> backwards and forwards to Belfast because they thought they'd got it and then they realised there was another element that they wanted to get. So there was literally, you'd fly out to Belfast and fly back in the same day. So and yeah. this, this happened several times. So it was very, very, a very long process. But yeah, really yeah. cool to stab a giant in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that's not, never something you thought you'd say as a, a ten-year-old, is it? No. <laughs> Before you got the role. No, absolutely Great to not. A giant in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> and that, and that must have been quite intense because you know the the intensity you put into that scene in mm-hmm. running towards the White Walker. You know, I, I imagine having to do that time and time again left you quite exhausted by the end of it. Yeah, I was pretty tired. This was a, well, this was these were all night shoots, so it was a ridiculous hour in the morning and it was freezing cold, mm-hmm. but. I think that just adds to the adrenaline of it all. Yeah, I can imagine. And then um, now it's all over. Do you still keep in touch with some of the guys? I know, like I say, in that documentary, I saw the whole cast seemed to be really close and really encouraging. Mm. Uh, what, what's it like now? Now the, the epic is over. I've, I mean, I think, I don't know. I think everyone just kind of goes their separate ways. It's often the way on film sets, mm. no matter how close you get with the crew, you end up probably like never seeing them again or never talking to them again. But there's one girl who I've, keep in touch with quite well uh, she plays Alice Carstark on the show Megan Parkinson and we still message and FaceTime and meet up sometimes so yeah her, she's probably the main person that I've kept in touch with which is really nice that's great and then so your role in Game of Thrones was obviously your your debut and then the the place other people might know you from is is the worst witch so did that come during Game of Thrones filming or was that after uh that was after uh the first season filming so I was actually filming the first I was filming the first series of West Witch when my first episode of Game of Thrones came out uh, okay so there's a bit of overlap yeah a bit of an overlap but um yeah that was again that was quite crazy suddenly being thrust into this uh, world of being known by people while still filming another thing it was <laughs> a weird experience and, and I assume your like, approach to the worst Witch was similar in terms of of trying to be be that person even though that person was very different and the show is very very different as well do you kind of approach it in similar ways even though the output's different yeah absolutely I I tr- just try and approach everything in that way I think just trying not to act as counterintuitive as it sounds I think the more you the more you act the less real it is so I just try and mm-hmm. be rather than act <laughs> Yeah, great. And how did you juggle it all? Because if if that was overlapping with Game of Thrones, and then obviously day to day life as well, mm-hmm. was was it quite was it quite difficult to balance that with with school and friendships and family? And um, I imagine you must have been pretty busy. Yeah, it was hard. I was away for, well for West Witch. I was away for sixteen weeks over the summer. Um, mm-hmm. In the first series, that was without my my mum or my dad um, because there's a 
a BBC rule where no parents are allowed to come. So that was quite, um, I think, overwhelming in some senses, having to be somewhere away by myself and I'd never been on like even a school trip before. And then having to do all the school and be working every single day. Um, I think it was a lot to manage, but I, I there was the crew are so supportive. I think I wouldn't have really got through it how I did if it wasn't for like crew members just constantly supporting and being that support network and encouragement. Yeah. And what's the best thing about being on set? So there's like 16 weeks for Worst Witch or mm-hmm. for the other films that you've you've done I can imagine I can imagine it's quite fun do you do you enjoy it oh yeah I really enjoy it there's nowhere that I feel most comfortable that there's nowhere that I feel more comfortable even than on a set yeah. any set <laughs> that's great but you're see so you're not just a an actress who are you you do some singing some poetry mm. some other bits and pieces is acting your favorite thing or or is it hard to choose I think acting's definitely uh definitely probably my favourite but again so many other things that I love to do like yeah writing comes very close football comes very close um I just like I'd like to try and I like trying to combine the two <laughs> like writing films for example that's like a good way of yeah combining the acting writing, and the writing. films about football is your Ooh, dream is it <laughs> there you go I should definitely do that <laughs> <laughs> see how you can how many you can combine <laughs> yeah also I'd like to try and confirm a a rumor a, a video we saw of of you break dancing <laughs> yeah it wasn't we, me we would we were trying it wasn't real oh no <laughs> <laughs> we saw that earlier when we were just like looking through some of the stuff you're up to at the moment uh-huh. and uh and we were like that's amazing that's incredible <laughs> yeah um, i don't even know how that came about it's, it's funny isn't it how some some people probably have too much time and yeah to put that up but I like how you haven't asked them to take it down because I think that's quite a good kudos <laughs> thing to have up there isn't it just that yeah I think you're this amazing break dancer as well I think so but I feel really sorry for the girl who it actually is because it wasn't me I don't know who it was but like yeah. she she should get she should get the credit not me because she's incredible I mean I wish I could break yeah. dance like that but unfortunately <laughs> unfortunately not <laughs> maybe if you start by cartwheeling out of every room you're in <gasps> then maybe over time you could be as good as that as that girl there you go sorted <laughs> i really love your your instagram bio which uh simply says uh, creating for the creator mm-hmm. and that plays into what you were just saying there about it obviously being acting but also writing and, and other bits and pieces when you look at your journey so far in acting what role has has faith played in that um it's been a massive support like my relationship with god my relationship with jesus it's just been it's been the constant in and I guess it's always changing the acting industry is so uh sporadic um but but Jesus and my faith has always been the constant it's always been that base that I've had to draw from I suppose it's just kept mm-hmm. me going I think I don't think I would be able to manage it if it wasn't for my faith and, and what's it like being a Christian in in those environments on set and in films and on series what what's the kind of general like feel are, are people quite receptive to it Do, does it come up in conversation every now and then yeah it does come up every now and then especially like when you're in the makeup chair and people are like what are you doing at the weekend and I go like well I did this did this went to church and then that just kind of starts conversations but again I don't I don't meet many people on set who are also Christian so I think it's nice to be able to be that light bearer I suppose I, I feel like that's why I'm kind of in the industry is to be a, a light in the, the darkness of it there's it's a lot there's a lot of pressure there's a lot of um difficult elements to it so I think that's just really what I want to do is maintain that integrity 
throughout all the chaos of it all. Yeah, that's so amazing as well, isn't it, to have that opportunity just to bring Jesus into an environment that, you know, is like you say, there's there is a lot of darkness and mm. um, scepticism, and <laughs> um, and so to to be able to to be an example in that situation is is a real privilege. Yeah, absolutely. A big part of your faith as well is is justice and, and pursuing justice. Again, what does that look like on set and um, in in your roles as someone who really cares about ending injustice? Um, I think it means, uh, like for me, there's roles that I've turned down because they've not aligned with, like, yeah, I can play parts with different morals, but like if it gets to a point that's, like such as there was one which was like a, a ridiculously unnecessary horror horror film just with and it was just like unnecessary violence and that was a point where I was like if the violence is justified if it's like part of the story and it's important to the story then yeah sure but if it's unnecessary then that's not that's not what I'm gonna do because that doesn't that doesn't line up with why I'm here um but it just means like as an on set just making sure that everyone's treated how they should be treated like uh, supporting artists extras they often don't get the um they don't get the kind of treatment that we get as actors so like on game of thrones i was making sure that the people that i was with i shared my hot water bottles with them it just means i suppose making sure that everybody feels safe and comfortable and like they can they can say if something's not right yeah and you seem you seem to it's interesting you mentioned about choosing roles because um taking your role and character in Game of Thrones, but then also similar roles in um, a film that's just come out, Resistance, you, you, you tend to end up in these, in these roles as um, a young person who is fighting for good against evil. Mm. Is, is that just a, a coincidence or are you, are you drawn to those roles or do you feel like by tapping into your, your passion for justice that mm. puts you um, in a good place to, to play those roles? I've never well like you just you just mentioned that there but I've never actually made that correlation so I think it's almost like uh I suppose it's God provided these opportunities which means that I can do this sort of thing um but yeah I think I'm I'm a, I'm definitely drawn to roles with that are interesting like a complex that are multi-layered that have a good base and a good um story like someone with proper character is what I'm always after but I think yeah, I think it must. It's almost like this subconscious <laughs> thing that I'm drawn to, probably because of my faith and stuff that I don't even realise is going on, which is really cool. Yeah, definitely. Do Do you think that you're similar to any of your characters in in real life? <laughs> oh, I think I'm a mixture of all of them. Uh, I'm clumsy, like Mildred Hubble in Worst Witch. Uh, I like to stand up for what I know is right, like Leanna Mormont. Um, uh, who else have I played I don't know I think I feel like I'm a weird myriad a weird um, combination of every single person <laughs> I play and I think also when I'm on set once I've been someone for a while I think you do kind of naturally take on some of their elements so I think yeah I'm just going to end up as like a still myself but with all these little yeah. bits of people in me which yeah, I think definitely. is cool music got lots of experiences to draw I from I think that's great do you ever find yourself going into Liana Mormont mode, <laughs> like at home, and just ordering everyone around and 
calling them out and that kind of thing? <laughs> not, not particularly. I think my family find it quite scary. So I try not to wherever possible. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. You, you once described um, Greta Thunberg as, as the living embodiment of Liana Mormont. <laughs> um, what, what is it about her that you admire and what comparisons do you draw? I think her um, defiance, her, she absolutely, she's got a clear focus. She absolutely knows what she's doing. She knows what she's talking about. I just love her, how fierce she is, but again, in a in a respectful way. Like Leanna Mormont, like she's not afraid to stand up in a room full of authorities and and speak the truth and, and campaign, campaign for what she knows has to happen. And I think that's just incredible. And she's young as well. And she's had setbacks and challenges, but she's, again, used them to just further herself and to get her message across, which I think is what we can all get inspiration from that. Yeah, definitely. Um, at at Tearfund, we do a lot of work on, on climate change um, and a lot of um, spreading awareness of the impacts our own kind of actions have on the climate and then how that impacts people living in poverty more than it impacts us. You, mm. you talk a lot about climate change why why is it such an important issue to you because i think we we have a responsibility to look after the earth um and to care for it and to care for what we've been given so i think it's just making sure that we're not abusing all of the resources that we have just for our own self-satisfaction and greed but actually to to be a bit selfless and think about the actually the impact that this is having not only on us and our future but people in countries that are more disadvantaged like how that how we're actually how our actions not only affect us but also the people around us yeah and we and we, we feel there's a lot of people kind of 17 to 24 like a, a generation there yourself included Greta who who are thinking the same thing and and rising up to make a difference and so we we at Tearfund are really excited about that because we mm. we see that in in the day-to-day and through the work that we do in many different ways obviously this podcast is just one small part of of, of what we do mm. we're so encouraged to see people making a difference in in their own contexts mm. what what advice would you have for another 17 year old or so who is maybe starting to become more aware about the impact of climate change and is is just kind of starting to think about how they can make a difference and, and what they can do what advice would you give to them i'd say that small changes make a big difference like don't try and take it all on by yourself um it's about our individual small actions which then make massive collective change so i think just um just think about all the there's so many little changes you can make like for me i've i've i I used to buy plastic bottles when i was out in london or away or working now i always make sure i've got my reusable one just these small changes like we've not got we've got metal straws instead of getting plastic ones it's just little things that you can do which actually make a massive difference so don't underestimate the power of 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 what you can do yeah definitely and you think there's you know there's a generation of of people making those small changes then the impact just adds up yeah and and also the other the other thing is about using those small changes as as acts of worship and Mm -hmm. saying as a a commitment to to god and and the world that he's created and the people that are in it um you know i'm i'm taking a stand and i'm doing these actions and they may seem small 
and they get bigger as more people do them. But ultimately, it's an individual choice that I have to make a difference um, in the world, and, and God's calling me to do that. So, you know, that's that's what's so good about those small little things, even though if they don't feel like they're bringing big change sometimes you look at Gretchen you go it's amazing she's um you know speaking to parliaments and traveling the world and you know and it's really important to have people like that uh it doesn't mean that that the impact we can have day to day is any less important yep absolutely that's very true so as well as speaking up for climate justice you're a real advocate for for mental health and an ambassador for young minds um how important is is mental health for you and, and us shining a, a light on mental health? And what do you see as some of the biggest challenges facing young people's mental health? I think for me, it's it's really it's massively important. It's integral, um, and from my own experiences of uh, struggling with mental health, I've seen the importance actually that good mental health has, um, not only just with yourself but also in how you go about your life and your future. Um, and I think some of the big challenges um are certainly the pressures coming from all different angles the pressures of school of, of friends of social media and as just being presented with a kind of an, an airbrushed perfect life which we've taken as reality because we've not known any different um so i think social media can be an it, i mean it's an amazing amazing platform and it's really produced some amazing uh, campaigns some big change but i guess it's about managing that as well and making sure that we we understand that these pictures that we see put out aren't reality often and that it's just about having that filter and that discernment as to as to what's real I suppose and what's not and how that affects our mental health it's just about I suppose maintaining that inner peace and that inner sense of um that inner strength I suppose which for me is my faith has massively helped that as well. Yeah, definitely. And how how do you navigate that with social media? Because you know you have a big following on social media, and I, um, I, I imagine that comes with its um, drawbacks as well as its probably main benefits. Mm-hmm. How how do you balance that with with mental health? Um, I try and make sure my page is uh, transparent. I try to make sure that I'm being I'm being real and transparent, and so it's hopefully encouraging others to do the same. Um, I I also make sure that I'm following people that uh, I suppose are, are more real in a sense. It sounds strange, but I make sure that I filter. I suppose what's coming on my feed, so that although I'm I'm making sure that I'm hearing about lots of other different things, that also for my mental health, for that purpose, that I've not just been presented with these airbrushed images all the time, but actually that I'm seeing real stuff and stuff that can make a difference and justice stuff and just following the accounts and the people that really campaign for good and that uh, again transparent like like I try to be yeah definitely can you tell us about any projects you've got coming up what, what what's next for for you um the next thing coming out I think is dark materials so I'm in a couple of episodes of season two of that um oh, I've got... the first the first season of that was amazing oh yeah did you like it yeah yeah I, I really liked it that's the BBC um adaptation is it yeah yeah it is so I'm in a bit of the second series which would be really cool um but filming wise at the moment 
uh, I've got some stuff coming up now towards the end of the year. I've got everything's starting to clash because of COVID. Everything's just kind of yeah. bunched bunched up. So I'm going to have to make some decisions, I think, on what to do and what not to do. But there's lots happening, which is really nice. It's a really it's a privileged position to be in, I think, getting to choose what I want to do, which is amazing. What's it been like over COVID? Have you been able to work and do acting or has everything just been postponed? Everything's been postponed. We were halfway through filming something in March and then it it got cut, it got pulled because COVID happened and then I was meant to be doing a film over the summer. But again, that's now postponed. Everything's just been postponed. Yeah. I don't know, I've managed to do a couple of short films, which has been, it's been nice just to get back into it just in that way. Um, and do my own stuff like... Again, doing more of the writing, football, all of that mm-hmm. other stuff that I do as well as acting. And I, I imagine in 2022, there's going to be a whole load of... It's going to be a great year for the film industry because <laughs> there's going to be a whole load of films that have been postponed that will suddenly start coming out. So, um, yeah. yeah, hopefully it will start to catch up. Um, yeah, I think so. <laughs> again. Great. Bella, it's been amazing talking to you and hearing a bit about your, your experience. Um, you're on Instagram. Is that just Bella Ramsey if people want to f- find you? Yep, just Bella Ramsey. Great. Well, thanks for talking to us today and uh, and good luck with the, the roles as you start going back to filming. And also just, yeah, good luck being a ambassador for justice and uh, with your young minds and mental health stuff as you go forward. Thank you very much. Great to talk to you. It was great to meet and chat with Bella. Guys, what did you take away from the interview? I thought she was so good. She was so like, articulate and talking about so many of the things and issues that are going on around the world right now. And it was really great just to hear from her, her perspective on you know the climate crisis that we're in and actually how a big part of it is that we all have the responsibility to stop abusing the, the world's resources just for our own greed really and that you know it's not only it's not only an existential threat for the future for ourselves but actually people around the world are already suffering the consequences of the climate crisis um, so yeah I was really encouraged by that and really encouraged by her call to just make sure that no matter how big or small the changes we think we're making that they are important and that as we do it together we can see a difference made. I also loved when she was talking about her experience getting onto Game of Thrones as, it, as that was her first role and she was kind of just saying sometimes the best way to do it is just to jump right in and you just picture you know, she was 11 when she did that she'd never been on TV or in film before and she just jumped in and thought I'm going gra- to like, grasp this opportunity with everything I've got and I think that's an encouragement to us obviously we're not all going to be on the set of Game of Thrones doing that but whatever life looks like grabbing the opportunities that, that come at us and then learning as we go and taking a, a, a step up as we embrace the challenge is, is really inspiring and something that we can apply to our own lives. Yeah, she just sounds so cool. Um, I love that um, what she said about how her faith encourages her to look out for everyone, um, even like not just the actors, but the extras, the makeup artists and everyone and just making sure they're all treated fairly, all given the same treatment. Um, I love that. And I love that she accredits that to her faith. Great point and the perfect place to end. So thank you both for joining me and thank you to those at home listening. We'll be back again on the 9th of November with another episode. If you like what you heard today, make sure you hit subscribe and follow us on Instagram at We Are Tear Fund.